Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Jesus said this, but I tell you, love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you. Now, how many know you will never do that in the natural? Don't even have to raise a hand. I already know that. It's 100 out of 100. So how am I going to do that? How can I pray for the person who's actually hurt me and actually love them? I may not like them, but I have to love them with the love of the Lord. That only comes from God. Everyone has been hurt at one time or another, and everyone has at one time or another hurt someone else. These events leave scars. They create warped attitudes towards others. But when Jesus was on the cross, an innocent man tasked to take the divine judgment for all of mankind, past, present, and future, he forgave. Pastor Mark will be teaching about your example, Jesus, and how he could only have had an attitude of forgiveness through the power of God, the power that made it possible for him to forgive a disinterested and hostile world is available to you if you want it. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 1 Samuel chapter 24 as he continues his series, The Life of David. So this is the thing you have to understand. God will give you his specific will. And sometimes people from the backside looking at you, we might give you the wrong decision. So very often... You'll find that the pastors here and the elders, we've learned not to give you an answer to if that and whatever, if it's kind of a gray area. We just say to you, you seek God. Here's what I see here and here, but you're going to have to seek God. Because I can't tell you what God wants for your life, and this is black and white. If it's in that gray area, you're going to have to hear the timing. Should I move? Should Should I move? Should I put my house up for sale? Should I do this? Should I do that? I can't tell you that. But God will tell you that. So you have to be close to God. See, if you take a whole category of people, pretty soon it's, you know, 80, 20, and then it's 40, 60, and you're so more confused you were when you started. Don't be confused. James chapter 1 says, if you lack wisdom, ask God, and he will give you the wisdom. So if you're here tonight in those situations, I've got a whole list of stuff at home that I'm praying for. God's timing. And I'm going to pray for that phone in a moment that's going to be thrown right against the back wall over there. Okay, now, let's go to verse 6. Notice what it says in verse 6. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing. Did you understand? We already read it, but I wanted you to see that. The who, who forbid? So how did that happen? Where did he turn to to understand that? That was the Spirit. 
Speaking to who? David. That's how we hear his voice. My sheep hear his voice. Don't be confused tonight. You can hear, you can hear the voice of God. Now, let's go to verse 8. Then David went out of the cave and called out to Saul. This is pretty brave in itself. My lord, the king. When Saul looked behind him, David bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. I'd have a hard time with that personally. Would you? Here's a guy trying to kill you. But David is amazing to me. He could have remained hidden in the cave. And Saul later would say, what happened to my robe? But he didn't. So here he comes and he humbly bows down before the man that's constantly trying to kill him. Again, he showed respect for the king. And he also showed one other thing, respect for God's protection. What David was doing was simply the right thing. Because he's going to actually challenge Saul. Say, Saul, you can still turn your life back to God. You're not going to be king because that's been taken away from you. But you can go back and honor God. Verse 9. And he said to Saul, Why do you listen when men say, David is bent on harming you? Let me just stop there for a moment. My wife was talking to me this morning about her Bible study that she was teaching. And this morning it was about the tongue. Why do you listen to what men say? Gossip is amazing, isn't it? We've all been there too. Do you hear the latest? Of course, now we don't have to do that. We just put it in the blog and it goes till eternity. You Twitter something, you're there for life. Put a picture up, there you are. It's around the world. So understand what he's saying is, Saul, where'd you get this deal? Who's been telling you that I'm out to kill you or to take your position before God says it's time? Who's been telling you that? By the way, when you begin to hear gossip, Remember who's always behind gossip. The liar, Satan. Always. So before you go off the deep end, and we've all been there and been very embarrassed. Could I I see a couple hands that you've been very embarrassed when you went, oh, it's not true? So make sure. And sometimes if it is true, you don't need to spread it anyway. Go to the individual do whatever God says you do. But he says this, Saul, so why do you listen when men say David has been unharming you? This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. Of course, he doesn't see it yet, but he's going to. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said I will not lift my hand against my master because he is the Lord's anointed. See my father... Now, here's the illustrated sermon. So as evidence, as he's talking, he just, he just picks up a, a piece of the robe. Probably had a little decoration on it. And Saul's going, man, that looks like my, my robe. When did that happen? So Saul's getting the picture really close. You were, in the, you were in the booth next to me? Yeah, here we go. So he says, see, my father, look at this piece of your robe in my hand. I cut off the corner of your robe, but did not kill you. Now understand and recognize, I am not guilty of wrongdoing. 
I'm not guilty of rebellion. I have not wronged you, but you are hunting me down to take my life. So he just goes through the whole story saying, look, the story is, is, is wrong from the beginning. And here's proof. You wouldn't even be standing here if that was my motive. If my motive was to harm you, you wouldn't even be here talking to me. You'd be dead. See it? I was that close. One smash with my sword, you're finished. Verse 12. Now may the Lord judge between you and me. Notice that he puts God in control again. And may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me. But my hand will not touch you. As the old saying goes, from evildoers come evil deeds, so my hand will not touch you. Verse 14, against whom the king of Israel, against whom has the king of Israel come out? Whom are you pursuing? A dead flea? A dead dog? A flea? May the Lord be our judge and decide between us. May he consider my cause and uphold it. May he vindicate me by delivering me from your hand. So what David is basically saying is this. I know that I'm in the hand of God. His hand includes his timing and his will. And what he's ready for me to take the kingdom, he will take care of all the chess pieces. They'll all be moved and I'll take the kingdom. Until then, I'm delivered. I'm safe. I can even talk to you right here. I'm not afraid. I'm there. Now, what is he talking to us? David's giving us a great principle for hurts in our life. We all get hurt in life. So let's keep your finger there. Let's quick back, turn back to Romans. We won't be there long, but Romans chapter 12. And let's look at this principle. You might be here tonight and a boss has hurt you. Somebody's been unfair at work, a neighbor, a friend. Somebody's turned their back on you. Somebody's done a business deal that was totally wrong. And, of course, we can, we can pursue some things legally. There's no problem with that. But, I mean, we have to be very careful of our motives. Romans 12, Paul speaks about it. And it's pretty tough stuff, but it can only be done with the will of God. Romans chapter 12, verse 17. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. Now, if it is possible, as far as depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Let me just stop there for a moment. It is not possible to be at peace with everyone. Some things you can never do. You do what you can do. If they don't want to be peaceable, you ask them to forgive you, you repay whatever, you do whatever. If, If not, you just do what you do. You don't have to feel guilty about that. There's some things that other people have to be part of it. If, if they don't want to buy into it, nothing you can do. So notice he says, as depends on you. You do the right thing. You do what you think God's telling you to do, and just forget it. But look at verse 19. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room, not for God's revenge, but for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Here's what I want you to write. Christ follower, let God deal with those who hurt us. Let God, bottom line, deal with those people. If there's forgiveness that needs to go, if there's explanations that needs to go, if there's a writing of a letter that needs to go, whatever. Do all of those things that the Spirit says, Matthew 18. 
Even if you've been wronged, you go and you offer to make it right. But if it, if it just won't work, it doesn't happen, the, the other side isn't moving, then you just let God take care of that. So watch your mind. You don't get angry. You don't get bitter. Yeah, but they took advantage, right? Because I want to tell you this. In the end, God will avenge. And what happens is God knows how to avenge because he's the only one that knows all the circumstances. You and I don't know all the circumstances. We don't know the background. We don't know this. We don't know that. God knows it all. So David, again, didn't want to play God. God had arranged the circumstances, not as an open door to kill Saul, but as a test. David, will you rely on me? Will you wait for my timing? It looked like a perfect open door. And I've been thinking about this a lot because sometimes we go, that's an open door. But it wasn't. It was a test. Now, David knew that only God knew the heart of Saul. And David was willing for God to remove him, basically to finally judge him. How can we react when I get hurt? What is my normal reaction? I'm going to hurt back. I'll get even with you. That's the flesh. So God allows hurts and trials and tribulations and persecution and unfair things to happen in all of our lives. Life of Joseph filled with undeserved things. But he learned, he learned to put it in God's hands. It is difficult. Our normal reaction is revenge and bitterness and payback. But that's the way the world operates. You and I are to be led by the Spirit. Now, how does that work? Well, it works for, look at this verse. You know it well, Romans 12, 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What renews our mind? The Word of God renews our mind. So what did I just read? Do not conform any longer to the pattern of the world. So if I get hurt unfairly, what's the pattern of the world? Get even. Revenge. Payback. I think I'll hurt you worse. But God told us tonight in Romans 14, don't you do that. I'll take care of it. So that's God's mind to me in a situation. But my normal reaction is, so do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of my mind. What renewed my mind? Romans chapter 12. It gave me the mind of God. Now here's the problem. How can I react properly then? That's what it means by being, what? Filled with the Spirit of God. Coming, Ephesians 5.18, come under the control of the Spirit. If I'm under my control, payback's coming. Everybody in this room knows what I'm talking about. So is it easy? Say no. It's not easy. It's very hard. But that's why God gives us his word so I can think like God. And in the end, what am I doing? I'm trusting God to take care of the situation. That's exactly what David does. I wish I could say that's the end. You don't have to worry about it. Just ask God for help when you're taken advantage of. Just don't get revenge. Just leave it to God. But it goes one step further. I'm sorry. Let me show you the two verses. Because see, this is a precursor to these two verses. It's not only do I not take revenge on those people, but Leviticus 19.18 says this. 
Do not seek revenge or bear grudge against one of your people, but love your neighbor. God, are you kidding me? As you love yourself. By the way, I am the Lord. Well, what is that in the New Testament? It's the same principle. Jesus said this, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now, how many know you will never do that in the natural? Don't even have to raise a hand. I already know that. It's 100 out of 100. So how am I going to do that? How can I pray for the person who's actually hurt me and actually love them? I may not like them, but I have to love them with the love of the Lord. That only comes from God. So see this no revenge. The next step of maturity is to pray for those people that hurt you. I want you to think about this. We talked about being like Jesus. On the cross, what do we see Jesus doing? Exactly what I just said to you. He could have called 10,000 angels. Revenge is taken care of. But what did he say to the Father? Forgive them. That's our role model. Yeah, but Pastor Mark, I'm not Jesus. No, but you're supposed to be getting like him. It's hard. Amen. Amen. But that's... David often is a picture of Jesus in certain parts of the Old Testament. Now, let's go back to verse 16. When Dave finished saying this, Saul asked, Is that your voice, David, my son? I put that in there because, and I don't mean to make fun of Saul. Notice the next statement. And he wept aloud. And I'm going to talk about that in a moment. You are more righteous than I, he said. You have treated me well, but I have treated you badly. You have just now told me of the good you did to me. The Lord delivered me into your hands, but you did not kill me. When a man finds his enemy, does he let him get away unharmed? May the Lord reward you. For the way you treated me today. And go back to the words wept out loud. You would think looking at this, this is true repentance. It is not true repentance. Shortly, when we get into some other chapters over the next few weeks, guess who will try to kill David again? Exactly. Exactly. So uh, let me be uh, tender in the way I hopefully present this to you. But look at, on the overhead, 2 Corinthians 7.10. You see it right here. Um, For the kind of sorrow God wants to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. So what is What in the world is Paul trying to say to us? Well, he says there's two types of sorrow. Godly sorrow, worldly sorrow. The worldly sorrow is false repentance. Remorse, got caught, emotion, but no change in the life. You're going to see that right here as we move through the book of 1 Samuel. We see that a lot 
in marriage counseling as pastors. Didn't matter whichever one. Just, I'm really sorry. It won't happen again. I'll just... And tears and emotion and, 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 and you want to believe it. We, we never say anything. Except I caution the people. Make sure you'll destroy your marriage if you're making fun of this. I said, make sure your repentance is real. And that's going to show over time that there's a changed life. Now, here's another danger. We have people that will come to the altar, go to the prayer room, watch TV, get saved, tears, emotion, whatever. And I think, by the way, there should be tears quite often because God's speaking to us. But see, if the tears don't lead to a change in life, it's worldly sorrow. There's no salvation. That's the danger. So real repentance is godly sorrow. God, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I, my mind has changed. My heart has been moved. And you help me now be the person I need to be. So just write this down. It'll remind you and me when we're dealing, even with our spouses or friends or whatever, we say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, yeah, well, here. One who truly repents turns from their sin and walks after God. See, the, the proof's in the pudding, as we say. It's not going to be a perfect lifestyle, but there's going to be a changed lifestyle. And so many people were moved by their emotion. Now, again, I'm an emotional person. I'll cry at the drop of a hat or whatever. And I think emotion's good. We should have emotion. But don't equate emotion with true repentance. Because in the end, it has to be the change in a person's life. And that's why Paul was warning, careful, a lot of people are repentant because they got caught. But there's no change. Now, where does that repentance come from? A sense of our own guilt. We sang it at the last song. Only you can save. There's no way for me to be right with God. Thank you, Jesus, for your mercy. You know who I am, you still love me. Verse 20. Now I know, he goes on, that you will surely be king, and that the king, kingdom of Israel be, will be established in your hands. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants, i.e. like you just cut off my robe, or wipe out my name from my father's family. That's a pretty normal thing that they would do in those days. Remember, he already made that covenant with who? Jonathan. So uh, whether he knows that or not, I don't know. Verse 22. So David gave his oath to Saul, and Saul returned home. But David and his men went up to the stronghold. They went back to hiding. Now, why would David go back to hiding? Because he didn't trust Saul. And he was right. David would wait for God's timing. But it's hard to wait. Today, Pastor Mark taught about the importance of maintaining an intimate relationship with God. As you saw David approach making decisions concerning important events, his close relationship with God helped him to make godly decisions. He also had to deal with the frustration of being chased around by Saul. You were shown how he handled that in a godly manner. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. 
We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. You'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the Ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. This concludes this portion of the teaching, The Life of David. Next time, Pastor Mark will pick the story up with the death of Samuel. You will be reminded about Samuel's life and his dedication to God. You'll also be introduced to a man named Nabal and his wife, Abigail. They will be primary players in the next big test of David's character and leadership. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Ballmer, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.